Welcome everybody to Spooky Action at a Distance. It's uh, the occasional podcast where three guys, longtime friends, sit around and talk about news of the day, sports, weather, science, and really just what's on our minds. We're broadcasting from the foot of the Rocky Mountains in Boulder, Colorado. Good friend Jeff Whedon is up from Denver for the morning to share his thoughts and word on the street is he has a lot of them today. <laughs> I have a lot of something. you got a lot of something. <laughs> and you're going to hear all of it. Well, right. that's fantastic. We're going to get into some other topics a little bit later on. Paul, my bro, is sitting next to me. Good to see you guys. It's been a little while. It has indeed. And Jeff, what's top of your mind? So, and, um, there's, it'll, yeah. it'll be fun to see when we, we take tear this one down and, and apart because we will because this is going to be a disaster um, and I'm just telling you right now well one of the things you sometimes <laughs> to do be is tease a little bit to you didn't this time I, I wonder which works best we'll, we'll, we'll tear that apart but but because sometimes he teases it because yeah. he, he you curate some of the things we do right I do you think about it a little bit you, right. you have a lot of fun with it yeah um, I hope you have a lot of fun we we're assuming that I could te- you want me to tease I can tease it could be a death march <laughs> you, uh, you want me to tease let's do a tease list so we can see if it's different because that's the, where you went so I'm su- missing you guys so much, and, and podcasting wise. Yeah, and um, and I think it was like Acto- maybe October of last year uh, that we we were together, and and I come to you with my life in a shambles, and so not happy about that. I'm so um, last you look you look great, there, Jeff. Thank Just you. Just want to say yeah. thank you because I don't even feel that that is happening, <laughs> but I appreciate the words. And and so last night uh, there was a 30th anniversary party for me and my wife. And so, why weren't you guys there? Congratulations. You weren't invited. <laughs> you weren't invited. Which, um, my life is such a shambles, I really didn't realize that until about the middle of the park. Where I'm like, where are my friends? Where, what a bunch of assholes. <laughs> I, I, could, I confess, the minute you said that, I was wondering whether I'd overlooked something in my inbox. I didn't. I, holy cow, did I turn down an invitation? I would yeah. have loved to have been there. Thanks a I, bunch. I, I, I was about to tell you that I contracted the coronavirus, which is why I wasn't there. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, which, which is a lie. Help me this morning, yeah. but mm-hmm. it would have. And so, um, it's just a, it's a mirror to how my life is. <laughs> how that, that I'm sharing with you your very, life is at right. This it's a lot of fun. It was a great, great party. <laughs> Four hours sleep. Um, and so, real quickly, what's your minimum that you need to be able to really function the next day? At a night's sleep. Oh, minimum. Yeah, because I need like six ish. Yeah, or probably, I just can't. Probably five minimum. Pull it off. Six and or so. Seven. You know, I'm coming thirty percent less than that for you guys today. So that's yeah. I, I was going to say, what do you mean by function? Well, <laughs> I guess we'll it's tell a big, that's when a we big, listen to yeah. the podcast yeah. later. So um, the good thing for me is the effervescence. I believe it did a little bit of Google work this morning. The effervescence of prosecco lessens its alcoholic <laughs> impact because <laughs> it's super, oh, super, super bubbly. I see. <laughs> Okay, right. So you can just hammer that all you're night good. and you're, uh-huh. you're really good. pretty good. You can and, um, and did, apparently. Right. So I don't have a hangover, probably <laughs> because uh, the Prosecco, but maybe just because I'm still intoxicated. <laughs> it's one of, yes, it's a fine line. Perhaps. And, and so I have the coronavirus, um, <laughs> and, but I'm jazzed. And do you know, do you know why? Why? Preppergasm. Because that this is the moment where uh, every prepper... Dreams of this. You you have all of the crap in your closets. You have stuff under beds. Mm. You have stuff in your pantries. You know, I I think I might have bought the last N95 respirator masks Uh. in Denver. These are moments of 
Prepper gasm. Is, is, prepper is, gasm. Is, is, it, is it zombie apocalypse prepper? Is it pandemic prepper? Is it rapture prepper? Or are they all the all same? All of them. All of them. Well, they're not all the same. Ah. But for me, they're all the same. Ah. And, and, and what I've done is I've, I've put a thin veneer, like a like a cake icing yes. of rationality and, uh-huh. and um, calm and being a sane human being over the top of it. And then a moment like this happens, then you're like, I'm, I'm, see, I'm not crazy. I'm not crazy. I'm not crazy. I'm not crazy. You're all crazy. <laughs> you for not you, preparing you don't, Right. Uh, right. And so saying. I just, it's the, I told you so that you're just so desperate to say for years and years and <laughs> right. years and years. Right. And you never get to say it. Right. And you smug non-preppers just yeah. sit there and you're just like, you know, um, that's stupid. That's crazy. So I've, I, the Red Cross says keep about two weeks of stuff in your house. So mm-hmm. that's what, that's the lie I tell myself. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not crazy. I'm not crazy. The Red Cross says we have to do this. <laughs> yeah, right? So I'm doing just fine. Your anxiety <laughs> is being validated in yeah, many ways by so. the institutions of society so. and by the experiences of t- hundreds of thousands of people across the globe, millions of people. Right. Yeah. So I come, all, I come to you all jacked up on coronavirus, yes. you know, breakfast burrito, blueberry right. scone, um, potentially <laughs> toxic mix of supplements and fish oil caps and and some warmed up pork chunks from last night and pineapple uh-huh. um, and so uh, and a, d- a dose of immunity boosting emergency oh you're good <laughs> okay yeah and so God have mercy on your souls wow what a what, <laughs> quite an ingredient list let's see what the dish looks I like I feel prepared just talking to Jeff and having him in my presence <laughs> I, I feel mortally afraid of what's about to ensue over the next hour <laughs> I think that, that would be a fun Things to talk about at some point in time because you're saying what are the what are the flavors of the lunacy of prepper dump? Right? Yeah, it's like yeah. because because I am I, I fully understand I'm not going to survive the zombie apocalypse. I mm-hmm. die in the first eight minutes of that movie. Yeah, right. Yeah. And and I'm not I'm not ashamed of that. I'm, yeah. I'm never going to be doing what it takes to live in that world. Can we just say, by, sometimes the A-listers do leave, like in the uh, Kate Winslet and Matt yeah, Damon. I think, break, okay. I think it was. Right, right. Yeah, right. Yes. And so I meant that. You can that be I'm the most important and, in the movie, but right, I'm yes. dead but at like eight dead. minutes and people are like, whoa, that just rattled me, right? You were talking about that's, that. That was my point, right? Yeah. Exactly. So that's me. That's me. The so, hero. The hero then, die. Can I ask you a question? Please. What's the point of doing all the prepping if you equally believe you're right. going to be one of the guys who don't survive? I, so the, the, the veneer, the thin, thin, wafer-thin veneer of sanity that is such is, is this. And that is is that I'm not... <laughs> I'm not preparing for the end of the world. That's that's crazy. I would never do that. What I'm doing is I'm just preparing to stay in place, be at home. There's a couple weeks without electricity. Um, you know, Trump is going to make it all work out. It's really going to work out great. It's, it, it's super great. Because <laughs> that's what happens. Things right, work out. Right. Yeah, and yeah. he said it, and I'm like at home, and I've got, you know, um, gluten-free Hormel chili. <laughs> because in my home with my wife, Celiac, all my prepper stuff has to be gluten-free. <laughs> <laughs> that's a, it's been a challenge. You really, need, you really need yeah. that, right? right? And so, uh, so yeah, that, all of that's going on. But so, yeah, that's the answer. Is that is that I'm just gonna rest in place. We're not gonna. I do have bug out bags, but mm-hmm. we're probably not gonna use them. I mean, the lunacy. It's hard for me to say this stuff with a straight face because I meant this all to be funny, and it's all becoming very not funny. <laughs> it's just an indictment. It's, whole, it's a fine line between dark and, and hilarious. <laughs> so let's not go dark. I'd like to ask you guys: Is it valid? For me to feel 
perfectly contact prepped just by spending time with you. Like you're handling <laughs> yeah. all of the anxiety, all of the stress and all of the actual logistic preparation when the chances are that we're likely going to die within 24 to 40 hours of absolutely. each other anyway. Right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And not only that, but you also pick up this interesting thing that uh, you just need to make your way to my place. There's that too, right? Because mm-hmm. I've got all the crap in the world. Yeah. And, and, and it's gluten free. <laughs> so I'm ready. I'm ready. Uh, <laughs> so you just reading between the lines here a little bit, yeah, uh, which yeah. is difficult. You you do <laughs> think the coronavirus? I'm curious. No, there's, there's that implication from Ray again, right? It's like what did we didn't get the tease, but there's this coronavirus <laughs> thread virus through our. Well, no, because I, I, I want to try to get your guys' thoughts on whether you how real you think this is. And, yes, and so and you talk a lot about your how you're reacting to it. Which is clearly you're you're taking it seriously. It sounds to me as something that could in fact be you know black swan event. That's right. something that is disruptive. That the market's tanking. They're going to continue to tank. This is something that was unforeseeable to unfold in the way it's it is unfolding, and it will have drastic consequences. There's another school of thought that says. You know, it's like SARS, it's like MERS, it's like these that are impactful, that are wide-ranging, but the recovery happens fairly soon afterwards, and we 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 do start to do the right things at the right time, and as a as a country or as a global society, we figure it out. You're, right. you're saying this this could be the big one. I, it could a, be the a big, big one. It could be the big one. It could be the big H1N1. H1N1. Oh, did you see what I did there? That's a little. Yeah, yes, that's I, a little I did. Pandemic yes. humor. You did. That was, a, that, was <laughs> I, around. that was both the first and the best pandemic joke I have ever heard. <laughs> well done, sir. And it was ad hoc. It was impromptu. And, and I, it, it wasn't. I had to... Oh, you were <laughs> It was not. I've been waiting. I mean, it's all there. I just have to... <laughs> so, no, no. I, you sold it. Really? Right, now. because what I was really working on was a, a COVID-19... <laughs> Hard, harder to work Could not in. do it. Might happen in, in yeah. this, but... Yeah. Yeah. So, so, coronavirus, let's just jump to that, right? Let's, please. I have it. You <laughs> <laughs> now you tell us. I felt pre-packed. Wait, wait, wait. Was, was, that was that on the list of ingredients that are the, the, the things going on in your body? The Prosecco did not. Yeah, you said COVID nineteen component. You're the one who said we're going to change everything up. We're not right. necessarily going to talk at all. You did this this <laughs> yes. morning, right? And so don't come back to me and punch me in the face when well, you just. I, I was perfectly prepared to tell you I had it at the beginning. What, what, you changed it all up, <laughs> and now you reap the whirlwind. You also said. You were the you bought the last N N ninety five masks in Denver. Could you have brought two of them? Could you have given them to my kids? And I, I I should have done that. I I actually thought it would be funny to do that. But the the masks, uh, yeah. Let's not get into that. So so I believe I so I've done a little bit of thinking about the coronavirus, and it's it's and not because I'm a lunatic. Okay, (laughs) because I'm a careful, prudent, thoughtful steward of our. Lives, yeah. Um, but it's it's funny because that's what the uh, the coronavirus does start. It's something like this. I'm not. I don't uh, vomit gouts of blood in front of you. you I'm just over one morning and I've got a scratchy throat, <laughs> and I'm feeling. I had a big party night last night, so yeah. I'm certainly not sick. And then mm-hmm. the next morning, you know, I'm patient zero. In your patient one, exactly a certain distinction to that, but not what I'm. I'm uh, eager to get. How, what do you think, Paul? What what's, is coronavirus? You know, how severe is it? Who knows? Who we knows? don't know. We yeah. don't know. Nobody we knows. Do. We've we got. Do. We've got it. 
<laughs> I'll get there. Get we, we've got another phrase for the unknown. It's the future. <laughs> we know it's going to happen, and we don't have anywhere near enough data on this thing. I mean, all of the real doctors and epidemiologists across the world, Hong Kong, U.S., China, are saying we need to get a handle on the actual, you know, important data points around this transmission rates, what the, what the fatality to infection rate is, all this. We've got big old nothing burgers around all of this. You, you throw out 2%, but we know it's somewhere between 0.7 and 4%. So this is my favorite part thus far of a very fun podcast for me, mainly because I just can't stop talking and you guys won't talk a lot. I'm hoping that'll be what we do in the future, a lot more of that. Um, but but you're right, and you're so wrong. And you're just, so Because Paul is so smart, and, and he has these wonderful That's where the right moments. part comes in. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Um, but not, not this one, which, which is... Again, we, we are living the coronavirus movie right now. We don't know how it ends, right? And and both of these endings are possible, right? right? Except, you know, the interesting thing is you're like, oh, this is like SARS and MERS. We are already an order of magnitude more deaths, and we just started on this than both of those two put together. It, it and, and people are not talking in this, and it makes me as a crazy prepper person. It's like, what are you talking about? Wuhan is bigger than New York City. Mm -hmm. What are you talking about? We are in the midst of the most disruptive thing that it may have ever happened in our lives. Now, it's going to be fun because a month from now, we either come back and podcast or there is no <laughs> ever podcast again, right? Mm -hmm. But so, you know, I, the, the thing that's going to save us is that the lethality of this seems to be very low. Yeah. Yes. It does not seem to be um, 1918 right. Spanish flu. It doesn't seem to have that lethality to it. The yeah. thing that's crazy about this is that its incubation is so much slower yeah. than SARS and MERS and, right. and, um, right. and 2009. And, mm -hmm. and, and so, so the fascinating thing is that it's we're all going to be sick. We're just <laughs> not all, all of us are going to die. Not all of us are yes. going to die. Yeah. But at that point in time, <laughs> the damage is not going to be um, Spanish flu death rate. It's going to be the death of economies and yes, and right. so that is my that my my Cassandra like um, uh, uh, speaking today is that I think it's going to be stunningly impactful and, because and we're gonna everybody's gonna get and it. that that was my wondering about it as well uh, is to try to prognosticate um, you know whether this has those sort of uh, Effects and the black swan sort of comes out of that economic sort of business yeah, yeah. Uh, terminology. I agree with Paul. Actually, I should say about the fact that <laughs> you know I think he was saying well, what he was saying is what our, our reaction to it shouldn't be geared around what we are predicting to happen or not because our emotional response should be conditioned by. A, a healthy appreciation of the unknown. Right, right, right. It's not a, it's not a movie because you can watch a movie and see how it ends. You know, right. we're living the movie, so right, we, right. we we don't know how it ends. So, it's about But in in the effect of it, it, looking at it through the lens of the economic effects yeah. and what is potential there, right. that's where punditry actually might come in handy. You know, and we do say, hey, should I take out a new mortgage because the rates are going down? Exactly. Is now the right to do? Right. Is now the right time to invest and stuff like that? So, mm -hmm. and that just to ask the question is, is it this 
once in a lifetime sort of thing, you know, on that so, scale. And, you know, it, it may well be. So I was, I, I spent, you know, uh, two, three minutes on Google this morning. So it makes me kind of an expert on this particular yes. piece. <laughs> yep. But um, I just, uh, we've had to have had quarantines in the United States of America in the past, but I can't think of one. I can't mm. think of like where a city was quarantined. And, and I will bet you both a nickel on this fine, high quality podcast that there will be city or cities in the United States of America that are quarantined. I'm going to take never that, done yeah, that. I'm going to take that back because I, I don't see it happening. That's great. I it's so fascinating. <laughs> and that's that's why this is a uh, Rorschach test mm-hmm. in so many ways, yes. right? Because obviously I'm projecting a great deal of fear mm-hmm. on this event. Yes. And you guys aren't. You know, no. you're just like, I, hey, I'm not I'm not that afraid. I'm not. And it's fascinating because it's, it makes me more scared to hear that. Yeah. <laughs> I, th- I, I think it is very much a Rorschach test of how we deal with the potential of big cataclysmic, big crises. Right. Right. And it, it's, it's, a, it's a, a kind of a test of our collective resilience as a society, as well as our individual psychological and emotional resiliences as individuals. And it's been the case over and over in the last 40, 50, 60, 70, 100 years yeah. is how we handle that. I flash back to uh, 9-11, right? What George Bush went on TV and what did he tell the, the nation to do? Shop. Shop. Go shopping. Oh, yeah. That's what will help us to maintain our economic health, which yes. is all we really know about, the right. most important thing, and go to war, right? <laughs> so right now, I think the messages collectively are basically panic and buy shit. <laughs> Again, it's like, oh my God, Dow goes down, uh, Fed, got to cut interest rates. <laughs> I mean, these, these, you know, insane kind of, you know, economic things that, like, this is a medical emergency. <laughs> yes, there's going to be economic impacts. The fact that the stock market is going down, what is that a reflection of? Short term, basically, you know, betting on companies that are going to have a lower bottom line for this quarter or this year or maybe the next two years. Yes, I agree. There's going to be impacts. Yeah. But if you're saying, but if you don't believe in the freaking fundamentals of the company, so that's just a reflection of the way our stock market is just a gambler's paradise, <laughs> you know, for short for short term gains. Mm-hmm. So you know, I say, okay, take take the hit. All right, we got a pandemic. We're going to take the hit. It's how we're going to take the hit. How we're going to respond to it. Are we going to do it based on fear and rivalrous dynamics where it's where it's us against them and the Chinese against us and what the what the which economy is going to win and what sectors of our society are going to win or are we going to do it collectively? And it's a call for collective action. Well, the interesting thing about that though is that is I don't think that it can be any of that because you're, it's going to be a drive towards the anti-collective. And I think that's what you're afraid of. That's that, what that, you're afraid of. That is because the I, fearful Honestly, response. I believe in a month we will not do a podcast together because I don't believe you and I, at some point in time, will be leaving our houses. And it won't be because some fearful capitalism, you know, anti-capitalist rant about how it screws up our lives. It'll be because you can't go to the store or it can kill you. Mm-hmm. And, and the thing, the well, but the worst thing about my argument 
is that it's so fear-based. <laughs> yes, that, that's that, my point. That it wins. Yes. It, it can wind up winning even when it's not winning. That's Does that right. make sense? It's, it can be a self-fulfilling prophecy. Exactly. Yes. Well, that I mean, result. here's the deal. Is that long-term it can't be self-fulfilling? And I like that because at, at some point in time, I'm... I've got my house hermetically sealed and this and that. And you're at the mall <laughs> and you're calling me, Chad, what's up, it's buddy? Okay. Come to the arcade. Let's play games. Orange like, Julius is having a sale. And I'm like, is that even open? And you're like, yeah, because nothing happened the way you said it would. Um, at some point in time, this will play out. I mean, and maybe we're nearer the end of the movie than the beginning. Um, and there's there's this weird fear thing that, that I, I think it'd be so interesting to explore more. Um, not on this podcast because we've got to get past this. But um, you know about how it, how much of it is self inflicted, yeah. self fulfilling, all of those sorts of things. And, right. and that's that that hits me hard because I don't want to be that person. Like I, we're 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 now we're, we're the embodiment of of like thinking fast and slow by Kahneman. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and I'm system mm-hmm. one and you're system. Too, yeah, so yes. I'm like reptile brain, yes. and, and I didn't want that to be. I wanted to be the beautiful part of the brain, which you guys are. <laughs> Maybe it's just this morning after the night you had last night. It could be. Yes. I'm a mess. I'm not good. So that's it. And let's move on to another thing that has been on my mind, and, and our collective minds, I would say, through a lot of these podcasts, which is the... Uh, uh, robot uh, apocalypse. <laughs> robot apocalypse. Let's break yeah, it up. Simply put aside the germ apocalypse, apocalypse, and I think we have to, yeah, touch back with one of our touchstone topics. And and you know, the, there's a lot of thought now and concern about how the Chinese are doing vis-a-vis us with regard to artificial intelligence. And uh, people on record, Eric Schmidt, recently saying the Chinese are going to overtake us in uh, five to ten years. You know, they're way out in front in terms of the number of supercomputers they have. Yeah, they clearly have access to more data, which is the underpinning of machine intelligence and so with the hardware the software and the data you know there's every reason to believe that they're going to kind of outstrip us and that these devices um, and this intelligence is going to play a much more impactful role in society as we go forward what are your guys thoughts is that something that we should even care about is it time for like a massive government project uh, to infuse you know and, and fortify corporate uh innovation you know is that a role something that the u.s government should be interested in doing well, so you know, I we always we always have the same. So many of these things wind up being argued in the same buckets that we've had before, and and so you'll hear me say, you know, that's just statist horseshit, you know, and, and that that you know, communists, socialists, statists cannot generate capital quicker than they can essentially confiscate it. That's you I preach that all the time. We talk about it. Then listen, you sound like people in the twenties and thirties talking about. Uh, communism and about how they're doing everything better. You know, it's like, how will we even be able to build tanks like them? And how will we, and and it turns out that they just, the markets pick winners. Uh, Autocrats don't, tyrants don't. It's just a stupid way. It's never worked in history. It never will work. And so, and the other thing is that I think China is going to be so decimated, obviously, by the coronavirus that they're going to be out of business. (laughs) And could, but could but interestingly enough is that I, I do believe this is going to be something that will set China back years, not not two months because mm-hmm. of a 
their their stock market or something. But I just think mm-hmm. it's. I mean, it, we are not talking enough about the fact that a city bigger than New York City has been shut down. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're not going to malls and they're not. Um, uh, having 30-year anniversary parties that they don't invite their dearest, dearest friends to and that sort of thing. Um, and so, you know, I guess my thought is that um, the funny thing about this is that I, I, I now I'm going to completely talk out of the other side of my mouth, just like the fear thing. And that is with AI. Doesn't that turn everything on its head? Because the idea, I'm saying that there's a secret sauce in capitalism and free markets that generates capital, but that doesn't apply to AI, right? Once the machines start making the decisions, then all of that, doesn't that, isn't that all out the window then? And so it's at least a challenge, yeah. yes, as underlying theses are right. Uh, because you know, it's like uh, you're not trying to have the proletariat be raised up. I, I'm not sure what mm-hmm. the deciding, I mean, Asimov's rules were rules we came up with. I'm not sure that the robots will agree to that. Right. <laughs> I don't right. think they'll like right. it. I, I, right. I think that they'll probably say, thank you, but no thank you. you right. mm-hmm. It's like the moment in Her uh-huh. where you, you fall in love with Scarlett Johansson as AI. That's uh-huh. the sexiest thing I've ever heard in my life. Uh-huh. And then she's having a relationship with millions of other men simultaneously. Uh-huh. Yeah. Sucks a little of the juice out of it. Uh-huh. You know, a little of the fun out of it. Uh-huh. Yeah. And so, you know, I... I I kind of buy. I, it sounds like the dumbest thing in the world to me that China is somehow going to overtake us and, and they're going to corner the market on AI. And yet, is there a first mover, a primary mover advantage to AI that becomes insurmountable because the machines mm. at that point in time mm. are smarter machines and make smarter machines and continually, and your machines never are there. They never mm. get to that until mm. the benevolent Chinese machines take those machines in their arms mm-hmm. like the end of AI, mm-hmm. um, at the movie, right? And and, uh, and and take these primitive things, but they realize that they're brothers. But you and I aren't brothers to them. Mm-hmm. And so I, I just, I, it's, I don't, what is your take on it? Is China going to kick our butt? And do we need to have a Manhattan Project for AI? Or something like that, right, yeah. <laughs> You've given uh, <laughs> reasons for both sides. What, what do you think? Yeah, I'll yeah. go off yeah. that, that last thing you said. I, I think, like like I was talking about coronavirus, I think this is, this is above all an opportunity for us to determine how we're going to work together as collectives mm-hmm. and how we're going to meet our supposed enemies on the other side and competitors on the other side. You started talking about winners and losers and the way, Ray, you phrased this mm-hmm. was okay, China is going to overtake us competitive dynamic and so you say is it time for massive government commitment on our side in order to keep them from overtaking us and then you cheekily asked uh, since the robots will eventually win anyway does it matter what flag they wear and that's Mm -hmm. that's Jeff, you were riffing on that. So then we've got the utopian vision of them taking over, which is maybe the her, you know, model. Uh, and of course, we've had plenty of dystopian visions of the of the robots taking over, which right. is the Battlestar Galactica and the uh, and the Terminator, you know, right, being, right. being the main mythoses around that. All of you know the the machines taking over. I personally don't think that's going to happen because there's no emotional embodied intelligence in AI. It's all intellectual, conceptual <laughs> intelligence. It's information processing at orders of magnitude higher speeds than we can ever do. And maybe there's some, you know, knowledge aggregation that gets created, decision-making that happens, but there's never going to be an emotional component without embodiment and a a sensory nervous system in the same way that we have it. So that's my personal belief. I could be wrong about that. Maybe the singularity folks are right. I I really don't know. But I do believe that at this point in time, it's about how we respond to a potential existential threat or power imbalance 
that might get you know brought in to our collective, our global collective, and how are we going to handle that? So the question isn't what does it matter <coughs> what flag the robots wear. The question is what flag we're going to wear. Oh, What's, what did you see what he did there? Going you forward. see what he did there? Yeah, yeah. So we gonna um, be on the same team, or are we gonna we gonna? Now, do you mean the same team with the Chinese, or the same team with the robots? Robot. Okay. Uh, sorry, Chinese. Okay. No. <laughs> <laughs> right. no. It's, it's, it's about it's about the rivalrous dynamics of yeah. that we're, that we're living we're, under, it, or well, a I, different I, dynamic. Let me just riff on that because I think you're right in a, in a lot of that. That that is in some senses the the question with regard to sort of the the future of the species. But yes. I think there is a legitimate intermediate question. Which is meant to understand how superpowered AI technology is adapted into an authoritarian country, yep. you know, world power number two, vis a vis how it's incorporated into a capitalist society, vis a vis, you know, in regard to a superpower number one. And th those are meaningful questions, and it does go, I think, to the question of how much our state, and there is a statist aspect to this, but not as severe mm -hmm. socialist as I think, as I think you characterized think it, but I think it, it is a, a question as to how much and in what ways we, as a very different way of ordering our big society, chooses to operate with regard to this stuff. Now, I, I do agree, it's maybe not necessarily best seen through the lens of who wins and who gets to some finish line faster, but I do think it's a real serious question about what our posture is with regard to it, how we see it being used in our society, and you know what it uh, suggests in terms of winners and losers and so forth. The Chinese, in a lot of ways, like have natural advantages when they're dealing with this technology. Like I talked about, their ability as a sort of a top-down society um, to just dictate and to throw lots of resources on hardware, software side, and that aspect of the data, they're actually uh, set up better to empower machine learning. So we're now in a position to say, wow, there is this going to be very potentially this, this world-changing technology that we're, we're at a disadvantage um, because of the way... Because we're not an autocratic right. society, right? right? Right. Boy, maybe we need to start acting like one a little bit. And I don't know if this is scaring you, Jeff, no, to say there no, does need to be an, a, a commitment, I think a that financial commitment, a I sense of you. prioritizing this thing. Because let's let's flip that on me. Because yeah. my argument is essentially, listen, I don't want status stuff. I don't want this and that. And yet, I I, I know we have to have those sorts of things. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm a fan of the interstate highway system. Mm -hmm. um, the fact of the matter is, is the reason we're doing almost any of this is because of DARPA and ARPA. Right. Right. right? Great point. Yeah. And and that is large scale. I don't know. I, I think that I, I would have to be confronted with the fact that isn't that by definition a statist mm -hmm. sort of a thing? It's mm -hmm. a solution. It's not a free market thing. And, and yet, we're reaping the benefits of that or reaping the whirlwind of that. It, I mean, it depends where we're at in the movie with that as well, too, right? So um, so I think the answer to me, which is so hypocritical, is that, is that I totally disagree with it. I think it's a terrible idea. And yes, I will vote. <laughs> because we do, we do have things that are bigger than companies and markets and this and that. And we do spend money on them and we make decisions decisions about them. The, the funny thing is you're like our, you're like the Zen guy in this because we keep saying it's like, we will win and you will win. He's like, 
hey, can't we hug each other and get along? And can't <laughs> people love each other? And can't you think of it in those terms? Because I almost have to have that as my core, mm-hmm. or I go insane. Yeah, I, right, I, right. we all know that I'm insane. But, but <laughs> then, just go with me on this for this, and and that is is that. If if it's a race to the 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 um, robot apocalypse and that sort of thing, what can you do? And about the only <laughs> thing you can do is worry about yourself and your soul and the people around you and your community and and you know go out with a bang in in love and those sorts of things. You know, I <laughs> not mean, not a gunshot, that not that kind of bang. A bang of love, a bang right. of love, yes, yeah. in a good yeah. way. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, I think that that's a. <laughs> I might need to work on that. <laughs> yeah. It's not a very But um, I, I, I think that that's so important. <clears throat> I will take, that's my takeaway from this today. It would be, is that no, no, spend time thinking about how we can get together and how we can build each other up and how we can take care of business and um, it, in that way and, and mm-hmm. not a busyness, not a, that it's, it would all be the human piece of it. Yeah. So I, I mean, e- even at a governmental level, like you say, I mean, the, the, the threat of China as a state is probably, who knows really what it right. is, you know, right? You're very scared of an autocratic society mm-hmm. taking over. Jeff, you're like, it's not going to happen because of their well, I'm scared fu- too. fundamental flaws. So, so we don't know about that, but as a government, what if we were to actually reach out? We're a far stronger economy, a far stronger, more resilient society in a lot of ways. What if we were to like go with the attitude of, hey, let's let's figure this all out together, you know, as a, as a planet. Love it. <laughs> I, I also endorse that point of view. So you wanted us to talk about um, popular music. I'd love to hear, yes, your thoughts on um, sort of some of the uh, up-and-comers. In particular, um, I've been intrigued by uh, two young female artists, Billie Eilish and Grimes, both of whom have... Uh, well, uh, Billie Eilish's album came out a while ago. She made a lot of noise on SoundCloud and online YouTube and stuff like that, working with her brother Phineas. Um, but she recently basically swept the, the Grammys, you know, a few weeks ago. Incredible, you know, result. Um, who's to say if, you know, she's on everybody's lips and minds a year or two from now? You never know. Uh, Grimes has been around a little bit longer, slightly different sound. Equally intriguing to my mind. Just really creative, really artistic. I believe she's also Elon Musk's girlfriend. I don't know if she still is, but I believe that was... Uh, <laughs> no, no, she was a, a year ago. A year ago, yeah. Still. Who knows? Don't follow the celeb culture so much. But I'm curious to hear your reaction to that. Uh, the, those gals and... Uh, sorry to call them gals, uh, th- those artists and uh, and others who might be on your mind. So I'm Team Grimes. Team Grimes, yeah. All right. And uh, but I, and, and the interesting thing is that you know Grammys. If you look at the list, it's not necessarily um, you know it's not necessarily what we think it is at the time. Mm-hmm. We look back, and I don't think Grammys age very well. Mm-hmm. And I think that that decision making process and everything is horribly broken. Right. Yeah. And, and it's not predictive. It's not. And it, it, it's it's also not evaluative as far as like um, real artistry and some of those sorts of things. Right. But you know, to me, you know. Um, that Billy Eilish with her super dark and you know navel gazing maudlin self absorbed teen confusion, um, which is somehow kind of wonderful and interesting and fascinating, right? I mean, mm-hmm. because I am a fan, but um, you know, she's I just don't see as profound, just kind of sort of troubled mm-hmm. in a way that I'm I'm like, uh, where, what do I do with that? Where do I go with that? Is is that anything meaningful to that? Is mm-hmm. that just Pure, unpro- you know, refined sugar. I can, right, yeah. you know, there's calories there, but are yeah. they empty calories? Empty, yeah. And so, Boy. you know, I, I just, I, I see it as a little bit. It could it be uneven, 
Because I think that that's another criticism I have is that the the work is I think very uneven. There's some stuff that seems to be wow. Mm -hmm. There's a there there, and then there's a lot of stuff where I'm like, there's not even a there there now, let mm -hmm. alone a year from now. Yeah. So um, I'm being super, but this format calls for us to kind of be a little bit binary. <laughs> maybe you would argue with that as well. Why do you have to be in a I team? Shouldn't, yeah. shouldn't be doing that. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, but so, so I, I, I find it a little more um, interesting, and I wonder if there will be uh, more legs to Grimes over time. Right. Okay. Great. I, I, w I was kind of joshing you a little bit there because, strangely for me, I actually have more to say about Grimes and Billie Eilish than I do about the robot apocalypse. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to come in strong with fandom on this. I So I'm a longtime Grimes fan. Uh, their mm -hmm. early albums, uh, Halfaxa and Gady Primes from 2010, I think they're both from 2010, absolutely loved them fell in love I actually bought songs on iTunes going back to the day when you bought individual songs right, and bought right. and you actually paid for music <laughs> right, right thank you Spotify <laughs> I bought you know most of the songs on the, those first two albums I absolutely love it I mean how can you not like a, a young girl who's coming out with a really brilliant production sense with dance tunes that are also very mysterious, and she names a song after a character from Dune, <laughs> Fade Rotha, Dark Heart, right. played by Sting in the David Lynch adaptation. <laughs> and the mystery and the mythos of, of her production in, in that, not to mention her singing and her artistry in her videos, mm -hmm. you know, with the fashion sense, really, I, I considered her an absolute top-notch artist. She's in her early 20s at this point, maybe even younger. Younger than that, um, loved the stuff. Really looking, looked forward to her third or fourth album from 2015, which was called Art Angels, and I was sorely disappointed with that. Tried to like it, listened to it three or four different times over the spaced about a month apart because I, I was like, you know what, it's not I'm doing come it for me. It must be me, right? It must be me. I'm gonna go. Take a walk, come back to Grimes, <laughs> take a time and out. appreciate what she's accomplished in this new <laughs> new album. Did that three or four times, and it never happened. And I saw, I think, in retrospect, that she had kind of gotten, I think, infatuated with her kind of role as this dance DJ. I just have this vision in my head that she was, play, you know, lead headlining Coachella and doing these rave festivals, and it was all about the dance music. And I thought she lost her soul, mm. which was that geeky girl in her bedroom <laughs> writing songs about Dune characters. <laughs> you know, it was something other than that. So I, I really lost the love. She's got her new album out, Miss Anthropocene. I hadn't followed her, uh, and then Ray just put this out, so I put her on this morning. And so just with the recent stuff, love the first two, three songs. Yeah. Murky, deep, and I think there's something soulful in there. Yeah. Then there's some kind of song that came in, and it sounds like what like anybody could have done it. Uh, so I'm not sure. Jury's still out yeah. with me on her. Eilish, like, I like, and I just got to say, so I won't go on about her. I like her, and I think there's there's a depth there that mm. we're not getting in a lot. And you look at her performance on the Grammys, the guts mm -hmm. of like going up there with just her brother on piano mm -hmm. and doing what's basically virtually an a cappella song mm -hmm. with a range from falsetto to deeper. When she doesn't have a great voice, she mm -hmm. has a good, a very good voice. Mm -hmm. And to put that out there, when all the other, the Ariana Grands, the Camila Cabellos, <laughs> <laughs> are, you know, these immensely talented young women. I mean, brilliant, great songwriters, great singers, great entertainers, super talented. And they've got the phalanx of dancers. They've got the horns and the music and the high production coming in. And, okay, yeah, 
Oh, right. But then you got <laughs> Billie Eilish there in your big pajamas and her green hair. <laughs> it's like, oh my God, you're doing this in front of a billion people yeah. and there's a depth and a heart and a vulnerability yeah. in there. More power to you. Billy. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think at the, Unlike you guys, and at the risk of exposing myself to embarrassment a few months or years down the line, I am on sort of Team Eilish uh, nice. with these two. And uh, I got, you know, I, I have very little to nothing in common with her persona, the young tortured girl, the, the teenager in her bedroom. Um, but there is a depth of artistry there uh, and, and a craftsmanship at work in the sounds and in the singles and in the songs, which I attribute as much to her brother, Phineas, I think, as it is to her. I don't know for sure. They clearly have a very close collaborative Well, there's got to be a strong man behind the strong woman. I did not say that. And if, if Me Too comes at us, they're coming at you, buddy. That's not where I'm going. I think that's, that's a tough part of the narrative, though, is because I think there is not, not a not instead of her, not in place of her, not any of that, but he is a powerful engine. Exactly. And, and it could, regardless of it, him, be, him being a him, I mean, they're, the production of those songs. And he's giving her credit, and he's giving her credit. And, and she's I giving him think, credit, right, yes. I, they are continue, that, 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 they could be considering themselves, you know, Billy and Phineas, or Whatever you know, the Eilishes. I, I think from right. what I've seen about right. how they craft their songs, yeah, he's an, a, an equal partner in terms of that, and that is, to my mind, it is on display. Mm. And the songs are not accidental products of just emotion mm. with, uh, you know, some some a little bit of packaging around it. They're they're experimental. They're playful. They're whimsical, coupled with deep and dark emotions. You know, there is you know depression uh, on display there. There's there's things that are being emoted there, but in in a uh, thought through, um, you know, package uh, sonically interesting and intriguing. So I think there's a lot going on there anchored in something that appears that is not very simple sound really. Um, and that's, I think why you're able to react and many are to something that seems so simple, mm. but so powerful. So I, th I think there's a lot going on there. Grunt, I, I like too. I really like her sound. I like the layers a little bit hard. I think like you Paul to sort of position her sort of to know uh, what her sound is uniquely because it varies, but I like that about her. The fact that she's outside of genre, she's doing her, exploring her own thing. So all, all the more power for her. But yeah, I will say just before we wrap it up, uh, somebody I probably should have added into this uh, category was uh, Lana Del Rey, uh -huh. and yep. uh, I'd actually put her. She's the the person of a lot of these. Um, modern sort of female singers who I've listened to more than either of the other two. I don't know about you guys if you've listened just to, to make Just yeah. to make Paul crazy, I would like next time for us to to cement this uh, woman versus versus woman idea. <laughs> okay, right. Yeah, right? So, yeah, so we're oh, which team are you that one? Right. And then Paul yeah. just holds his head the whole time. Right. And, and so, yeah. But uh, well, let's, let's do that. I think that that would be really productive. I mean, I love hearing the stuff that you guys said about all that. I've got some love and hate stuff well, that I was going to yeah. hit you with. Yeah, does it, it, is it Does it now work yeah. for that? Yeah. So I know how passionate fans you were, uh, both of you, of Ad Astra. I know that you loved that movie. Um, oh, it, 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 so I enjoyed it. Yeah. And then I got the cold splash of water in my face from Paul, who said that it makes me vapid and uh, weak and, yeah. and empty. That like was the movie. a movie with Brad Pitt, I think. <laughs> Brad Pitt <laughs> is really an enormously gifted <laughs> actor. 
actor. Maybe he is. No, no. He well, is. if he the is. Academy is, is is any judge, and they tend to be, uh, he won the Oscar <laughs> this year. Not for that movie, but right. right yes. Right. No, and, he's a great actor, and yeah. that wasn't I the mean, problem. It was a little weird because I mean, it, it wasn't his greatest performance, and and I think in some ways, I mean, it's like Rain Man in space. I mean, you, at what range do you have? Because the whole point is that he doesn't necessarily. He's stilted or 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 hurt or stunker. stunted or something right he's different because he thinks in a way like he can go through a terrible um life threatening event and his heart rate never goes over 80 he's built differently right. than us he does not feel maybe maybe he doesn't have the high frequency ups and downs that other people have and so he's that makes him somehow ideally suited to go after to save slash kill his dad and and and, and I, I found that stuff you know it's a relatively happy ending um i love that garbage i love it so much and and um some beautiful visuals i thought i that the saving slash killing your father um uh, and 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 the theme that I love so much, women just don't understand, you know, in his life. If they were just better, mm-hmm. they would they would understand us. We're not a mess. Yeah. We're not a disaster. Yeah. We're not worthy of leaving. Just women just don't get it. Yeah, yeah right. Um, and but loved it. And, and, and I, I did want to say to you, and, and I, I don't want to ask this, but I do want to ask this: is that <laughs> what did what did do those lenses we're looking through this movie? Because we're both looking through it through such a different lens, you mm-hmm. and I. Mm-hmm. And what do they say about us and how is it a reflection of us, you know, mm-hmm. because to me, I'd want it to be a happier ending. Yeah. And, and it resolved in ways that I was happy with and that I think you felt were too pat and too easy. Yeah. And too... So what, what were some of your thoughts? Uh, you know, I mean, I thought like it was white man's hero's journey, which has been done more richly and better many, many more times before. <laughs> and this was stunted stunted male goes and and encounters his father who's the, the who's the heart of his own closedness and has gone over the edge with that which which is an illustration of what happens when that sort of masculine overboard testosterone fueled yang cut off my emotions goes that far <laughs> so it's it's heart of darkness right there was an allusion in the film to heart of darkness that that Tommy Lee Jones character the dad was Kurtz you know out there exterminate all the brutes and he exterminates right. the, the, all of his other all of his crew members and he's gone crazy which in heart of darkness was the the masculine patriarchal western imperialist colonizing ethos you know gone to africa mm-hmm. to go and destroy them and going crazy in the process uh and this was you know and this was uh, him doing that out out in space <laughs> <laughs> and so brad goes and it's he, a great and, pitch and I'll, he I'll make that movie and he goes and he sort of <laughs> sort of redeems himself by <laughs> by letting his dad go and letting his dad kill himself in a sense that he comes back and it's all fucking obvious. I, 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 I'm not sure either of us are wrong. It's so funny because it's like you and I are like, Art of Darkness in Space. That's the coolest thing I've ever seen. I, I, I gotta say, I haven't seen the movie. I think after your put down, Paul, I want to see it. <laughs> well, and, and that's, all right, all right. That's an interesting theme that I have too. Is that I find myself very much controlled mentally in a way I'm not comfortable at all about that sort of thing. Like if him saying that, I would go and I would enjoy an Astro more. And people and, and people saying it's the best movie ever made. And you watch it, you go. Eh, 
you know, <laughs> right. in a weird way, it's right. like they've they've somehow anchored me. Yes, or there's a right. bit of social proof that I'm right. reacting against or something. Right. I, it's, it's it's funny how I keep saying like, what does this say about me? What does this do with this? Oh, and, and it's you know, it's it is a fun theme. I mean, I've been wanting to desperate to bring this gag into it. Yeah. It's like, is that you and I have been doing? Paul and Jeff have been doing some life coach work together. All with with uh, Paul being the life coach. I was just gonna. And, I was wondering which one. <laughs> yeah, you were. Yeah, you were. And um and and I, I had a, this funny moment where I was like I was like is that being is that like, like, being Trump's pastor or something like that do you do you do you want some is, is, did I do I have a moment where Paul's like I love you so much Jeff would you just please don't ever tell anybody that we're doing work together okay I can't put this on my resume okay you're killing me so um, I, I have some uh, I, I love to try to make words up phrases this and that so I want to come up with a new thing because it's something that I'm experiencing which means that everyone must be experiencing <laughs> and if they're not they need to because okay. it's important because it came from me sure. deep inside me and you've heard of the phrase of jumping the shark right yes. where where a series somehow loses its edge and there's a tipping point or a flip and it's a I think it refers to the fawns in happy days mm-hmm. literally jumping a shark on like the universal yeah or yeah. anyway so the point is, I think. no, no it's it like a ski do or a, oh, uh, a motorcycle would have made a lot more sense that's oh. the whole point is oh. it just becomes Jet completely ski. loony yeah. right? Yeah. Okay. and um, and so um, the, the, I don't find that happening in modern shows because shows are that we're, we're in this kind of golden age of television in so many ways which also means I think series are going on longer than they should some of them are just going on longer than they might but they don't seem to have this Fonzie moment they, mm-hmm. in, in, I would like you to think about whether or not they have this awoke the shark moment <laughs> Whoa. where they become a little preachy and it's like they start to say they start to need to be able to and it's, and it's so like um, in, me, in my opinion uh, sex education which is amazing is having some of that in the second season the good place in their last season mm. especially shameless has become very preachy they used to be just equal opportunity offenders in every way and now they've become super woke preachy holier than thou um, they're worse than Baptists. And, you know, the, these new secular right-thinking preachers. Let's not get into that, though. But is there, is there, is there something to that? I'd love guys to think about that. Are, are there show yeah. moments we're watching, series moments, where maybe is it is there something there to the woke the shark thing or are they really just jumping the shark because I think it's interesting to look at it I, I think I think you're onto something here I had not quite thought about it or looked at it in those terms but all each of the three examples you gave uh, sex education which is a great uh, series two seasons I'd recommend it yeah. um, uh, shameless, much different situation, uh, whatever, 10 seasons or so, right, something right. like that. And The Good Place, which ran about five on network TV, uh, all, to my mind, I agree. Three, actually, I think. Three? Or, okay. Three or, yeah. hit, hit that point of sort of uh, fatigue where the thing that animated them most uh, was really challenged because they'd explore the core in different ways. You know, Happy Days chose to address it in a way that was just totally inconsistent. They were out of ideas, right. and it was just absurd. Right. This is where I, I, I think all I think I'd say that all three of those didn't respond as I'm not sure I would say they went moralistic and they started to get preachy so much as they ran out of new stuff and they they started to. 
uh, re-explored the same themes in only slightly different ways. So I think they were sensitive to the fact that we can't jump the start, we can't go too far off message or off brand, but we're not sure we have any place else to go. And that's why with Sex Education, I don't know if there's a plan for a third season, but I hope they don't, because I think they're at the end, I'm not sure where they go. With Good Place, I would say they're very shrewd writers and very shrewd uh, series creators, and I think they pulled the plug at just the right time. Yeah. Arguably, they ran one season mm -hmm. longer. So I actually give them more credit, I think, than you do for having tipped into that. But I I do agree that they got to that point of sort of series fatigue. I love you sorting through the the dustbin in my mind and making some sense out of all that. Yeah, but I think while Paul talks, I'm going to try to think of an example (laughs) that does align more. Because I I do think you're onto something there. Instead of listening to me, which is a pattern (laughs) with you, Ray. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for that. I have two ears. I have two. I can... I'm also going to think, say that you're. I think you're right on with that, Jeff. And I hadn't really thought about it, but also I, I do think with the distinction between jumping and waking the shark is also apt as well. The jumping the shark was about shifting the plot because you needed to put the characters in a new situation because you had played out all of the available situations you could think of in their native habitat, and it's different now for whatever reason. It's 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 something about the way they're articulating their themes. It's the dialogue. It's the speech. It's the it's the way the characters are interacting. It's not a plotting shift. It's a it's a preachiness shift, for lack of a better word. I think you're right on with that. I do also feel the good place got there. Arya. Uh, loved it all the way through, but with diminishing pleasure as it got that way, mm-hmm. and she felt like as it got to the end, it was like okay, you know, kind kind of toast. It's kind of a little bit too blocky, yes. you know. At this mm-hmm. point, haven't seen Sex Education, haven't seen the latter uh, seasons of Shameless, so I can't sort of validate those. But yeah, bang. So um, a little bit dated because we've been so. We, it's been a while since we've been together. But let me throw some thoughts at you about some fun shows, and then I'm going to finish it with a more topical, more uh, right now sort of thing. And so um, the the Netflix documentary Losers I found very powerful. I don't know if you guys saw that, no. but it's it's based no. around sports, mostly themes of people who were spectacular losers and what they did in life. And it's 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 in, uh, it, it's empowering, and it's mm. it's. Because uh, I thought it would be just us watching a train wreck and, and mm. some horrible thing that happened mm-hmm. to some person and reliving that over and over, which I would do, <laughs> but but mm-hmm. but I would feel ashamed about mm-hmm. it. Instead, this was really, really good. Jeff, Jeff I appreciate that. You know I'm all about winners and losers, so I'm <laughs> so really going to check in. But I think there will be it'll be more Paul than Jeff on this because it's saying... You think that they lost. You think, yes. that, but that that is there's a binary to that that's not true. That there's yeah. a life to this that's beyond it. That I think you'll really like. Uh-huh. So um, you know, Black Jack Ryan, John Vandevel, the uh, the um, the golfer, and those mm-hmm. sorts of things. It just it, I didn't know there was a story to all of that. Yeah, there really was. Great. But Ballad of Buster Scruggs. Oh yeah, hated it. Yeah. With a white hot hate, uh-huh. um, and which is so interesting because I thought I thought it was cynical, <clears throat> with a thin thin veneer of humor, and it was it was black and mm-hmm. ugly. Mm-hmm. It was like a, it's like a cowboy. Um, Black Mirror. Or something. <laughs> um, I had to. I, I didn't think that went through. That just came up. I had to stop watching after the Indian battle. Um, it was just yucky. It was just really made me feel really dirty. Mm-hmm. And um, and what am I missing with the Cohen brothers? Because it's so. I just don't get it all. There's You're missing what they're missing. <laughs> 
what does that mean? Well, he I meant I, it to, to trump me, and, and, I, and I was like, <laughs> I don't even get that. What is that? You're, I, I, what I meant was you're, you're missing it because it's not there, in my opinion. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and I, I, so I, I saw the first the, the first part of Buster Scruggs, and I felt, and you articulated it better than me, I felt like this sort of Quentin Tarantino-ish response I had oh. to that, which was a kind of formal, you know, a mastery with, with not enough soul, you know, not enough soul and emotion. For, for lack of a better word. And I think a lot of their movies, you know, have that, where, whereas a few of their movies do have soul. Well, and think about if you buy this. I, I feel like the, the farther they're from a project, the better it is. It's like as, as a... But, but, there, but there's something special. I'm, I'm not trying to discount them entirely, but it's like Bad Santa, executive producer, um, True Grit, the, the Hillbilly mm-hmm. Shakespeare mm-hmm. True Grit, um, producer of 2012. I think those are wonderful. Yep. I and mean, they have Good a movies. hand in that. Yeah. Okay, yeah. guys, I'm sorry, but the next podcast, I'm afraid, is going to be completely dedicated to the Coen oh, Brothers, and it's oh, like, apparently it's going to be me against you two. Setting oh, us straight. No, because I feel strongly against what you guys <laughs> That's are That's what I said. Setting us straight? It, yeah. yeah, I, I do You're so angry you can't straight. even agree when I'm agreeing I can't. I'm bubbling over right now. I, I, I wish I, our I, listeners could actually see <laughs> you right now. You, you sit up in your chair. Yeah. Yeah. Your eyes are blazing. Listening for the first time to the podcast. Pounding the table. Right. It hasn't listened to a word <laughs> you and I have said. Oh, I've been listening to everyone. Listen, Let's I do that next can, time. can I give you just a preview? <laughs> I don't think we can stop you, bro. Because I, I, I understand what you were saying, but I think you guys are missing something. And let me just say, I, I'm sort of, I have drunk the Cohen Kool-Aid in some ways. We're in a way that I'm not apt to do to see directors and, and artists and stuff in that, through like an auteurist lens where one is invited or, or commanded to consider everything in the in terms of the body of work, for some reason, and this may just be my fault, or maybe I'm just doing it wrong. <laughs> yes, uh, I do do that with the Coen Brothers, and it it, it does. It, I see uh, seeing individual movies in the context of their sensibility and the body of work enriches everyone in such a way that their their body of work. Uh, ha- there's a tapestry to it. There's a consistency of theme, uh, which to my mind comes back to sort of ethical sensibilities and the story of Job and stuff like that, that, uh, that I think there is, to your point, Paul, there is a there there and you are missing it. So <laughs> sorry. Next podcast, sorry. Yeah. we want to hear it and we want to see it. <laughs> yeah. want to end on this and for, for this piece of it. And that is, um, you guys, I, I'm, I, I know I, I love cheer. The the Netflix cheer. It's about oh, cheerleaders. Squad. Uh-huh. Yeah, and it is. Uh, it was reality television. It was very hard for me not to watch. Yeah. I was a very. <laughs> so I'm just embarrassed about this. Super emotional about the last episode. I will give no spoilers at all. And I'm. I bet you will be able. To, you'll watch one episode and spend the next three podcasts destroying me about it. <laughs> but I'm so fascinated and so terrified about to say, watch it and tell me what you think. All right. All right. Well, we will. T- uh, we'll take that challenge. 
<laughs> and we may or may not live up to it. We shall see. Go team. Go team. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And with that, I think we're a wrap for the week, maybe for the month. We're going to try to get back on the horse and have these podcasts more often if we possibly can. And we'll see how much Prosecco Jeff has drunk the <laughs> night prior to our next podcast. It will not be the morning after yeah, your 30th I, I anniversary. It, if yes. the coronavirus definition lets us do it. This is a fun image. I, we don't Images on podcasts are probably not a great idea, but the Wall Street Journal has a... And this is why we're not going to do a podcast in a month because we're going to be in our bunkers. Okay. And, and there's a picture... That's people in Seoul seeking to purchase masks, protecting against the coronavirus, lined up on Friday. South Korea is the hardest hit country outside of China. So you can you, uh, describe it a little bit. It's just like a, a Disneyland line going back and forth and back and forth yes. and back and forth and back and forth. Right. And so these are people that are worried about the coronavirus. <laughs> and if Huddling any one of these <laughs> have the coronavirus, they now all have they, they the sort coronavirus. Of, and they're not wearing a mask by definition yeah. because they're <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 we're laughing right. about it but if things get bad pictures like that we will be like oh yes. my god in heaven what hath we wrought so anyway yes so a really light podcast and yes. I think we want to this yes. is what we want to do yes it's just a fresh yes. happy joyful sort of thing and uh, it's not it was the darkest thing we've done and we've done some dark but, stuff. But talked about with a smile, and that's the key. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Love All you. Right. Love you guys. Bye.